look forward to hearing those tunes. I look forward to hearing that. I look forward to hearing the jingle. In fact, last night I was at an event with my friends at Options for Community Living, and I actually sung my theme song in front of a handful of people because, you know, look, I take requests, man. I take requests. This is your boy, the nonprofit sector connector. Philanthropy and Focus is the name of the show. Focus, as you know by now, is spelled P-H-O-C-U-S. Maybe not everywhere else, but it is two flights up from my kitchen just below the roof in my attic. That's how we spell focus. Philanthropy in focus, nonprofit sector connector, and as I like to say, your boy, Tommy D. Today marks a special occasion. It is the 66th episode of a program that was just an idea in my head. And uh, that means 65 nonprofit organizations have had me help them tell their story and amplify their message. And today is number 66. And my lucky number is six. My birthday is the six. I like six. You, you, Mary, you too? Anything divisible by three is good for me. No, look at you. You're Whoa, who's the rhymer on this show? You or me? I'm, I'm Tommy D. D. <laughs> you got Anything it. Anything divided all by three is good for me. I love it. All right. So this show, as I say, has two things. It has two missions. It's really to get out and tell the stories and, and help these organizations get some more reach. And, and with the network that I've built locally here in the Northeast and, and in some of the work we're doing nationally, um, I feel like it's my, my privilege to get to know these people, but I feel like it's my mission to get to help and support in ways uh, I can. And I will tell you just kind of as an aside, I, I mentioned I was with my friends Yolanda and the team at Options for Community Living last night. And, and as I, I, my raffle basket game is strong. I will just say that. I put this out on Instagram about midnight last night, but I told the folks sitting at my table, I said, I'm really good at this raffle basket game. Mary C, Tommy D walked away with three raffle baskets, you know, I, my raffle basket game is strong to, to the disappointment of my wife. When she sees more raffle baskets coming in the house, she was just like, really, we're back with the raffle baskets. And I got to wear a red velvet jacket and all this type of stuff. So it's, I was in my element, so to speak, my people, my raffle baskets and my red jacket. So look, we do the conversations, the, the conversations we have on this show are important conversations. Sometimes they're difficult to have but they need to be had. The, the, the conversations that we're telling about the organizations doing this work, I tell you every week, if it wasn't for the nonprofit sector, much of this work does not get done. Much of the support, much of the education, much of the advocacy does not get done if nonprofits are not out there on the front lines doing this special work. So without further ado, you've heard Mary's voice already. I'm gonna read a little bit of background on Mary and the organization, but Mary, first of all, I had to say a couple things. Thank you for being here. Welcome to my show and welcome to my attic. How are you? I'm good. We're good, right? We're going to have a good time. We're going to have fun. Yes. Good. I love it. I see you're wearing a shirt, a, a, you know, a little swag. Don't stall, just call, which is the website for the organization. Don't stall, just call.org. And you got, I love the stop sign. Is there like, um, so that's a zip up. I'm probably going to, is there a red hoodie with that stop sign on the back or something like that if not we should get some made up shout out to some people there's a black zip up i like zip. right on all right i like is it a quarter zip yeah i like a quarter zip you know because it looks like a little yeah all right that's a good look because it's like sometimes i can wear that with a shirt and tie i'm just hot i, yeah. I mean like i was cold earlier I, I love it i think i think it's awesome i like a quarter zip i like a full zip sometimes but you know see the thing for me sometimes if i'm fixing my hair real nice and then I put a full hoodie on. Sometimes it can mess up my hair. These are not problems people really have. I have these problems. I'm fortunate to have these problems because part of my hair is missing. And I like the fact of what's still there is, is looking good. <laughs> this is this is a part of the show when I act silly and, and we have some fun and we get comfortable and then we get right into the, yeah. the conversation, right? So, all right. So don't stall, just call. The name of the organization is the CTC Wellness Foundation doing business as don't call, excuse me, don't stall, just call. You said it too in the green room, Tommy, don't mess it up. Do not stall, you must call, that's the deal. So listen, let me tell you about this really quick. This organization is an alcohol poisoning education program for high school students and college students and their families. We believe that education is the best way to prevent senseless 
alcohol-related deaths. We're going to talk about we're going to talk about why Mary founded this organization and the tragedy that was the catalyst. Well, and and then, but I really want you all to know. Um, and I I made a video about this prior to the show, and. I know a lot of adults that don't know how to drink correctly or appropriately. I know plenty of adults that abuse alcohol. So this is not just a conversation just for young people. This is a conversation for all of us. And the important conversations that are sometimes tough to have, but we need to have them to change our world. And we're going to have one today. So Mary is a founder of this organization. Um, in 2015, Mary experienced a tragedy, the death of her youngest son, Christian, who was a 20-year-old thriving college student, and he died from complications of alcohol poisoning due to binge drinking. Mary, this could have been prevented is, is where we're going with it, right? This is what, so your mission is to tell this story, to get out and educate folks. And I watched some of the videos on your website, and it's really about these young people who didn't know. And I'm going to say something. I'm just going to put it out there because, you know, um, you know, I've said it before on this program, I'm going to say it again, it's been 11 years since I've had a sip of alcohol in my body. And I tell you that not because I don't need the applause. But I tell you that because it was something that I knew had to go away for my life. And um, there was times in my life when we talk about the signs of, of what we're going to look for, what you need to be mindful for when you see somebody who might might, might be experiencing um, too much alcohol, alcohol poisoning. Um, I've seen those signs. I was a bartender. I've seen this stuff for years and it's wrong and it's tragic, but the point is we need to be aware and watching the videos of some of the, the programs you've done in the high schools and colleges, the young people say, I didn't know. And now I know. And one of the things you say in those videos is no one can ever say, I didn't know. Right. And that's the goal. That's the goal. We want that to be the goal where this, where everybody goes, that's the signs we need to address this. We need to make a phone call. Let's just start at the beginning, Mary, please. Tell me, t tell me the story and let's talk about this organization, please. Um, well, Tommy, thank you so much for having me and um, highlighting our program that I believe has saved so many lives already over the years. We get testimonials all the time, but uh, here's the deal. We, uh, Christian was, I have four children, blessed with four children. Um, Christian was our youngest child and we got a phone call. It was um, a Sunday morning um, in 2015, icy, horrible, horrible storm. The city of Philadelphia was closed. Um, all the roads were closed. We were call called to come to the hospital that it was Christian and it was bad. And uh, at that moment, I believe I knew he was dead, but in the meantime, praying, my husband and I uh, went to the hospital and eventually got to see him. We also eventually found out that he had coded two times um, that day um, before we got to see him. Um, what had happened and during that week, he was on in a coma for seven days. And during that week, his life unfolded. Like then we were being told what had happened. So what happened was he had had a breakup with his girlfriend um, a couple weeks before. Um, he was acting like it didn't matter. And, and this is really important for parents to hear um, because so many people keep everything in. And by the way, um, mental health wasn't something that people spoke about in 2015 seven years um, ago you're talking about pardon uh, me? seven years ago you refer and we weren't and i think you know we talk about mental health a lot on this program um and i stamp my feet constantly about this stigma around mental health and i don't want to take too much from your train of thought but what you know if i trip down the stairs from the attic later on and break my arm nobody's going to shame me because i go to the urgent care to get my arm but if i have something going on in my head and i need some support there unfortunately historically that's not been dealt with appropriately sure. i think we're turning the corner but wow. but short seven years ago we weren't it, it it's so true so um so he wasn't saying anything to his people and it was literally the night of a birthday party for his former girlfriend. 
and um, which of course he wasn't invited to. And so he ended up, he was drinking alone for a portion of the evening. Um, he was then found later at another party. Uh, friends of his brought him back. A uh, key thing right now is that he was showing every symptom of alcohol poisoning by 12 o'clock at night. Um, his friends did what they thought they should do and they put him to bed. Mm. Um, I, I wanna like wave the flag right now because all these colleges have this alcohol education piece that has usually in the past been um, passed out or through online education before the kids, before the students arrive on campus. Maybe then they have another little piece of it. Then they never hear about it again the rest of the time they're in college. So anyway, these friends who I am still friends with all of them, um, they put him to bed and then they did the watch. They also backpacked him. That's another thing that we'll talk about. Um, but they were doing what they thought they should do. And, they, and it's just things that they were, just to go back for a second, they thought they should, but was it also what they were educated to do from, from the university as well? No, 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 education? no, 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 okay. no. I All do right, so not this was kids. No, no, so it was the, what kids thought they should do from the rumors or what they, you know, they're older. From other people. From other, I, I, I yeah. really don't know. I can't yeah. speak for them okay. and nor do I imply to speak for them. Yep. Um, but what I am going to say is they did what they thought they should do. They didn't want to get them in trouble. They thought this is happening all the time. Every weekend, somebody's yeah. um, sick like that. Somebody's vomiting. Oh, somebody's unfortunately, it, become, it becomes, you said this when we talked the other day, it becomes normalized. Normalized. It shouldn't be. This, But again, I grew up in this. I know it. I, and having four children of my own, I'm a little pissed off right now because this is what we need to address. Like this can't be normal. But it, as a 44-year-old man, I was part of this kind of culture. So not now, but as a, as a young person, it's normalized. It shouldn't be right. Tommy, you're absolutely correct. It's normalized. It's, you know, there's that show Tosh.0 that goes right into all that ridiculousness and, you know, highlighting people vomiting and things like that. It's, it's, it's just not, it's, it's just not good. So anyway, um, I just saw the note that we're going to go on break. I'm like, oh my god, we're um, we're good, but we're coming back. So okay. so we can we can do that now. We're, you can hold your thought thought, and you'll you know where you were when we come right back. How's that? Okay, is that good? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> good. All right, we're doing it. We're killing it, man. We're going yeah. we're going to a break. Mary C, Tommy D, philanthropy and focus. Dylan, take us to a quick break. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
favorite hobbies is to watch my guests hear the song for the first time because they don't get to hear the song in the beginning. They hear it after that first break. So they, so I watched their face go, did he just rhyme static with attic? <laughs> All right, let's do this. What a real quick shout out to Christine Johnson Hall. Uh, Chrissy, as I understand, you're known. Uh, my wife's name is Christine and I've never been allowed to call her Chrissy. So, um, but I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble with Christine, but Mary, it's Chrissy, right? To me it is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I get in trouble for using that Chrissy thing. I've, I've said it like 17 times over the last 23 years. And every time I say it, it's not a good, it's not, it's not good. Um, all right. So Christine, I don't, Christine Johnson, I don't remember, uh, Mary and I were talking about this earlier. I don't remember who introduced us and I was trying to figure it out this morning. So if you're checking us out on Facebook, let me know because I want to give a shout out to that person. But if it wasn't for you and I being connected kind of under the understanding that you were going to help me tell like my story about philanthropy and focus. And as I'm telling you my stuff, you're like, Oh my God, you got to meet my friend, Mary. You need to have her on your show to have her tell this story and kind of the rest is history, but that's what happens from networking and connecting. And, and we're all look, you don't want to get me into this whole thing, you know, but we're, we're all connected. We're all together. It's one big family unit and we're supposed to be doing this to support each other, which is really what this show is about. And I say, you know, this, you know, Mary and I are here to tell you the story. You know, we're here to just enlighten you. And and I, I heard on the commercial break here at talkradio.nyc, uplift, educate, and empower. And that's what this is about. That's what philanthropy and focus is about. So Mary, we we were back at this story and I interrupted you a bunch of times. I'm going to try not to do that anymore for a little while. Yeah. So, so. Um, well, what I want to say is the bottom line is what happened to Christian on that night? was a night like many other nights and that's the bottom line and it is normalized and when he uh what i've heard from his friends since then is that if it wasn't christian it was somebody else that was in need um honestly at the hospital the doctors were like we don't know why he's dying but he is and um but you know full disclaimer he was an Adderall taker, he had a prescription. And also, I know he did not do it responsibly. So, you know, having other, and I'm just going to come out and say it, crap in your body, um, you know, it affects it. So anyway, also with the drinking that was going on, I have to tell these, you know, people who are listening, he wasn't drinking beers. He was drinking hard alcohol and i'm not sure exactly what he was drinking but apparently um what he used to do and we didn't know this because this wasn't happening at home at all um he was drinking out of handles of alcohol and i didn't even know people did that so and by the way like i said you know um i have three other kids i never knew that that was even a thing um since 2015 i have learned a lot um, I have learned more than I ever wanted to know, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so he uh, had all this alcohol in his system. His blood alcohol content continued to rise. Um, the doctors were trying to, you know, keep him alive. And But as I said, during the week, we found out that when his roommates found him, in they, they at one point in the morning, they thought he was okay and they i think they took the backpack off and they thought okay he's going to come in for breakfast and he didn't come in so he aspirated after that and that's why it's so important that we you know that i say this because i know of three young guys that were backpacked and then it was taken off and they still aspirated and passed i i'm, I'm not familiar with the backpack what, okay thank me, you for and saying. i don't think yeah and i don't think anybody is so help us so um backpacking is when um a friend or someone would put a backpack on the back of someone so they can't roll on their back all right so so they're on their stomach because we're okay so back, no, they're on their side they're on their side but we're trying then, to prevent vomiting and then right and then choking swallowing it. and then right. also they would have a trash can there and uh so anyway so that's okay. all Got you it. know what is often commonplace. And honestly, Tommy, when I go to colleges, it, these students know what backpacking is. Right. Um, and I always say, 
if you are considering backpacking someone, call 911. Right. So you've established, okay, good. So let's, so you've established there's a problem, right? And your answer is not Mary's answer. I'm speaking to this young person, this 19 year old kid, you know, at whatever university, college, right? You've decided that there's the stumbling, mumbling, unresponsive, cold to touch, right? Maybe even vomiting. Gang, that means make the phone call. It doesn't mean backpack. That's what we're talking. Like, that's the end. Now I got the hairs in the back. That's the thing, right? Please. I have to, I have to bring this up right now. So after Christian uh, passed, we had to take him off of life support. And that was horrible. But by the grace of God, we had our family around and, you know, praying that God took him. And oh, anyway, um, but when I came home and I was home for six weeks and I was trying to figure out like, how, like what just happened? How did this happen? Why don't more people know about this? So I started doing research. And what I found out was it really was happening um, all over. And it was happening in people's basements. It was happening at colleges, but it was a secret. Mm. And what I thought was, if we walked into a restaurant and we saw someone with their hands up at their neck, we would know, oh my gosh, go do the Heimlich maneuver. Well, here you go. We needed to create something that we could say, hey, young people, learn everyone parents you might have somebody in the basement that needs help if they're exhibiting these symptoms you need to make a call and get them to the hospital no one should ever say i didn't know what to do and we only have to look as far back um, in a public way of the tragedy at penn state and when those uh fraternity brothers were going through their phone saying like are looking for signs of alcohol poisoning. No, we need to educate people at a younger age what the symptoms of alcohol poisoning are and what to do and to empower them to make the call. Now, I want to say this, Tommy, this um, magnet that you see me with, this was created um, with the help of the, the School of Public Health at Temple University. We have five symptoms showing here. And by the way, Vomiting is the last one because, as you probably know, um, a lot of people, when they're intoxicated, vomit, but a lot of people don't. So, if you were waiting, if they had all the other symptoms but not vomiting, maybe they're too far gone. So, and they so maybe they it's even they're even past that they're even in another stage. Let me, I just want to pause you one second because you know what's coming up for me, and it came up for me this morning while I was working on preparing for the show. <sighs> And it's similar in some regards to last week's program where Linda Beagle Shulman was here. And she, and she's, we weren't talking about gun control. We were talking about gun safety. We're not talking about abstinence here. We're talking about being smart. This is a practical conversation. This isn't saying, hey, uh, don't drink, man. Don't we, because you know, we know that's not realistic. You know, it's right. We, at, I do want to say, I do, I need to say this, Tommy, that. We, you know, Don't Stall, Just Call does not condone underage drinking, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but we feel that if someone is going to drink, we want them to know how to avoid binge drinking and to know the signs in order to help a friend, a stranger, a parent, a grandparent. Yeah, to add on to that, though, too, it's it's not just underage drinking because a 27-year-old man or woman could be in the same predicament or a 50 year old person somebody might find one of their parents like this again alcohol abuse and substance abuse is a major major issue and it doesn't just affect somebody till they're a young person so this could you could find your your parent or something in this situation so 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 i again and i don't and i know you didn't think i was but i'm i'm not implying that any of us are condoning underage drinking but we know it's going to happen it's how we know the thing is going to happen it's how do we address it what do we how, how what's our reaction to it right and, and I want to say this, Tommy, because how old your oldest? 12. 12. Okay. Because I remember saying to my children before they went to college, I, I you know, I always had conversations with them about alcohol, but um, I, one of the things that I always said, stay away from grain alcohol, because I've 
felt like that was the most dangerous thing of all 100 proof alcohol, which is true. It is. Um, But, you know, I went to college, I drank, I made some bad choices along the way. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here. Never in a million years could I have imagined what could have happened. I still, I almost can't believe it did happen, except he's not coming home. And there's a cemetery down the road that I go to see him at. I mean, it's, it's, it's horrible. And, and it can happen and it does happen. And one of the things I want to say, Tommy, right now is that um, I want to cite this one uh, presentation that we did down at Johns Hopkins several years back. And when I asked the audience of about 300 people at the time, I said, how many of you know someone um, who has gone to the hospital for alcohol poisoning? 99% of those hands raised. And we all looked around like, oh my gosh. And even they were surprised. But then well, I they said, were surprised as they looked around the room and they realized how. Uh, yeah, because, but then leading into, then I said, well, how many of you knew someone in high school, it could have been you, it could have been somebody else. How many, did, how many of you knew somebody in high school? So it was about six years ago, this presentation was, and 75% of that group, that audience knew someone. And I said, and they could not believe it. And they all looked around and I said, it was a secret, right? Mm. It's a secret. And they all shook their heads. And I said, because of embarrassment, because no one wants their family to be associated with that. Uh, you know, I don't want my kid playing with that kid or going out with that kid, but it's happening yeah. every weekend. And it's, it, I mean, it is happening and we need to get it out of the closet. We need to talk about it and we need to face it and learn. So no one can ever say, I didn't know what to do. I love how we keep going back to that point that no one can ever say I didn't know and I didn't know what to do. Uh, When we come back, we're going to take a quick break again in a minute here. But when we come back, I want to talk about the the signs. And I really want to talk about the programming. I want to talk about what you're bringing to the universities across the country, uh, whether it be getting involved with uh, sororities and or fraternities and how if there's any engagement there or if there could be some engagement there. And eventually in the next segment after that, we'll get to events that are coming up. I know you just, just had a walk recently, but events that are coming up and how, which is what I want to know all the time is how can we help get the word out and how can we help connect you? And I think we've established with you all who are listening and paying attention and watching that this is a problem and this is a practical conversation that we need to have. I'm not going to get up on my high horse and, and say, you know, you shouldn't have underage drinking in your home because that's stupid, obvious. Of course you shouldn't, but people do it, right? I I I guess I am going to get up on my soapbox. I just said I wasn't going to do that, but now I'm doing it. He's talking to himself again. Look, this, we need to be aware of these signs. We need to be aware of what we do to protect our children and our families. I'm going to share the website when we go to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the signs and we're going to talk about the programs of this organization. Don't stall, just call. We'll be right back. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. 
Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. That's right. Cut through that static, man. Push your way through the static. Join me in the attic. All right. So uh, I'm sharing the website right now. So if you're checking us out on Facebook, you could see that. Uh, just I was giving a little plug here to some of your sponsors on the website. Uh, because I think, you know, the alliance that we make as business people with the nonprofit sector is critically important. So give your folks a, a bit of a boost uh, who are supporting the work you're doing. I want to go back before I even um, stop sharing the signs, stumbling, mumbling, unresponsive, cool to the touch and vomiting as we've talked about. These are the signs of alcohol poisoning. I'm going to come off the screen share, but you can check this out later on. Don't stall, just call.org. Mary. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go back. Talk to me about these signs. Talk to me about what we're looking out for. Okay. So um, what I want to say about these signs is I didn't come up with this. As I said a little bit earlier, um, I worked with professionals at the school Temple University School of Public Health. They chose these five symptoms to be the top ones. So on, all right unresponsive. It's so important that when I do the presentations that we teach the young people or whoever's in the audience what unresponsive is, that it's not sleeping. Um, And also it used to be called passed out, but that term is so casual. So we need to dive a little deeper. So how do we identify if someone is unresponsive? So um, the first thing we do is Uh, pinch someone's earlobe, someone who's experiencing, you know, someone who's unresponsive. You're like, are they asleep or are they unresponsive? So you pinch like seriously as hard as you possibly can. And still you're like, wait, is that really that hard? But then if they don't respond, you make a fist. So with the knuckles, and then you do a sternum rub um, down their chest. Like in the center of the chest? Yes. And it's so, Tommy, thank you so much for doing that, because this is what I encourage um, my audiences to do, is to actually do that, because muscles have memory. Mm. And I have been in, in presentations where I've asked someone, how can you identify if someone's unresponsive or just sleeping? And they have uh, reiterated just what I said. And I said, wow, you really know. And they said, I know because you taught it to me and I've had to use it. Wow. And and through the tears, then the story comes, the testimonial. And and it's hard being the one making the call. But anyway, I need to keep going with this. So stumbling, mumbling. Mumbling is like you can't start a thought, but you can try to answer, but incomprehensible. Um, cool to touch. So, so important. And um, especially with the guys, I say, guys, if you think your friend is just sitting over there snoring after a night of, you know, a rough night, you know, he was really overdoing it, go over and touch them. Because if their lips are bluish, their nail beds turn gray, um, they feel cold. And and let's just face it, guys aren't so keen on, you know, touching another guy. And, um, or often they're not. And uh, so anyway, it's really important to identify that that is one of the signs as well. And then I had mentioned about the vomiting being last, that not everybody does vomit and God forbid, you know, that somebody has aspirated because, you know, not getting um, oxygen to the brain. And that's what I think happened to Christian. Um, So anyway, so they are the signs. And then, um, and it's really important that if, if, no one, if the person is not responding, you need to call 911 or your campus security, your specific, whatever the emergency number is, because this is a life-threatening emergency and nothing is worth living the life that 
I have lived and Christian's friends and roommates have lived yep. over these last seven plus years. It's, it's really horrible. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. There's some, there's some fear, I think, that comes with that. Uh, you know, I, I even, uh, for some reason, my brain goes to, um, which is rather related to this conversation, though not the same, um, why somebody would get behind the wheel after having a couple cocktails, why somebody would do that. And it was, you know, look, it, it, I've seen, again, I was a bartender for many years, if I haven't said that on today's show yet. I, I, so I watched tragically many people get DWIs over the years because I, I was in that business and um, it, it's tragic. And the DWI was like the best thing that could have happened because the, the other point is you killed yourself or you killed somebody, some innocent person. I, I always thought that the reason people would get in the car and I used to get in fights with people to not let them drive and all these types of things. And as much as for my own, I'll call it problem drinking when I was younger, the driving thing, I left cars everywhere. <laughs> that was kind of a thing. I would leave a car everywhere. Just that was the responsible thing. Drinking too much may have been irresponsible, but I wasn't going to get in the car and drive. But I always remember the reason a lot of why people would just say, ah, it's all right. I'm going here. I'm not going far, whatever it was because it was inconvenient because it was a pain in the neck, right? To have to go figure out the whole thing. But you know what? So taking someone's life or your own life or tragically injuring somebody is, is a pain in the neck too. Going to drunk school is a pain in the neck. So I, I just, I know you want to say something. I just, my point though, my question around this is there's fear around making that phone call. There's, are we going to get in trouble? And there's this whole, um, amnesty side of things this medical amnesty that maybe yes. we can touch upon but like there's fear there's like ah you know what johnny looked like this last friday night too man that's just his deal that's like but that can't be because you know that it cannot be that way so how do we and, and i remember even look i'm 44 so i remember being a kid when nassau county police would come into the school and educate educate us on dare dare right and it was like also it was like making the um you know, you'd have the pact with your parents like you'd sign a pact which i'm gonna make sure my my wife and i have that conversation with our kids. i don't care call me we'll come and get you like that kind of stuff don't get into the car but this is the next step in that is call me if like we're very close in our community our like i mean one one particular buddy my son he calls me dad and his dad is my buddies but he he calls me dad and he, he's like my third son but um and we have that kind of community but it's got to be open where we can have these conversations and be like look if somebody did the thing and got and went too far get us on the friggin' phone so we can address this thing and get the cops on the phone and we'll deal with the repercussions later but let's save a life right Exactly. I don't know if there's a question there. <laughs> no, exactly. But I think um, two things that we need to follow that up with is the medical amnesty and also being your brother's keeper. Mm. And that is huge with us that we um, always try to talk about being your brother or sister's keeper. And that doesn't mean that it's some that it's always somebody you know. But Tommy, what you just mentioned was about the normalizing, uh, the normalization of this like drinking and being plastered and being blacked out every weekend that it because it's a part of our society and we need to create a shift mm. we need to create a shift we need to um you know if if people are going to drink no matter the age they need to learn how to do it safer and they need to eat food they need to hydrate well they they need to um you know, drink water in between every uh, alcoholic beverage. These are all things that can help people. But the thing about the scary part for young people, they don't want to get their friends in trouble. Yeah. And so medical amnesty, it varies over the country. It varies within um, localities. Um, but it is so important. I want to say, let, let's just talk about the college thing first, yeah. is that many colleges have a medical amnesty policy, but some of them don't uh, advertise it so much mm -hmm. because they don't want to give their students like free reign to um, overdrink. So maybe that would, so because they think that's incentivizing the wrong behavior. So go ahead and, and get, get, get crazy because now you're going to get off the hook. 
right? But then that's then that disincentivizes the right behavior but too. While you are correct, the, the interesting thing is since um, Christian's death, say like Temple University, they actually here's Temple's um, magnet with the Temple. So that's tape. your so that's your stuff co-branded with Temple, correct. and that that two one five number is a campus number. Yes, exactly. Campus specific numbers, and they're made for other um, college campuses, whatever. But the point is, is that we need to create layers of education. So not only are they uh, taught about alcohol education, maybe before they get on campus at orientation, and then having these um, magnets, they are available. Let's just say at Temple, they're available. Um, wait a minute. Uh, they're, they're on refrigerators and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but they're at the uh, Dean of Students office okay. um, down at Mount St. Mary's in Maryland. I, I believe they were given to all the freshmen so they could be on the refrigerators. If this, just thinking about the Penn State situation, thinking about Christian's situation, if they knew if this was available and this was on every refrigerator, everybody would know and no one would be thinking, oh, we can't make a call. So then the medical because you've house, normalized, but let me interrupt you because you've normalized then, <clears throat> excuse me, the correct behavior. It's nor here's the number two one five pa pa pa. This is what you do if you see somebody who has these symptoms: stumbling, mumbling, unresponsive, cold to touch, and has or, or has vomited. Make this friggin' phone call, and that's normalized, right? So that becomes an, a total paradigm shift. Yes. So I. I you were going to say more. My one quick question, though, is like, or our statement is, you go into high schools as well, right? Because, I, look, I, I had cocktails on the streets walking through the neighborhood, you know, middle America, middle, well, East Coast, but middle class, you know, 15, 16 years old drinking on the street. I mean, like, I, I'm... <laughs> My kids may not, never listen to the show. No, they will listen to the show because it's reality stuff, right? But we did that. So this is not just a when you are a freshman in college at 17 and a half or 18 and a half, whatever. No, this is like 13, 14, 15 year old kids, right? Like Absolutely. middle school needs to have this conversation, right? Should start in sixth grade. There it is, sixth grade. So we have an organization in my neighborhood called the, the CASA Coalition Against Substance Abuse. And that we need to connect you with that. And I think there's CASAs, I know there are certainly around Long Island, but around the country. Um, when we come back, I wanna talk about uh, just that, the connections, who we can bring you to, some of the precedent. And let's talk about, we, we didn't get into it now, but we'll talk about it when we come back. Programming, we'll run into that quickly. And then we'll get to say, like, where do we go? Who do we introduce you to? Because my people who are all over the place um, have these types of connections and we need to work together. Is that good? Excellent. Yeah. Are you having fun, Mary? Of course I am. I'm in the attic. You're in the attic. Woo! We'll be right back. Philanthropy okay, and focus. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. 
Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. And today, Mary Chiametti has joined me in my attic. She's the founder of the CTC Wellness Foundation and don't stall, just call. And if I haven't said that enough, don't friggin' stall, okay? If you see these signs and symptoms, make the phone call. You know what? Saving a life is a lot more important than am I gonna get in trouble with my mommy and daddy? Freaking save a life, okay? Wow, am I fired up? Um, it's about education. It's about educating these young people. 40,000 people have attended these presentations to hear about Christian story, which is really the impact story about what this organization is doing. So talk to me about that. You, you, again, with the last couple of years with COVID, I'm sure a lot of it was virtual, but when we've talked about it, it's like wellness fairs on campus, health fairs, things like that. That's where you end up plugging in or? Um, mainly uh, in presentations. Okay. And so orientations, presentations for Greek life, um, alcohol safety types of talks. Um, uh, I don't like to call them prom talks at all. I actually don't even like to speak at high schools the week of the prom ever because the kids' minds are elsewhere. Um, so at, let me just say, I was, I was at one school last May three times to hit everybody that was there. And then in September, I was called because the freshmen, they heard stuff that the freshmen were doing and they needed to get educated. And you were there for you were there for the upperclassmen, you're saying. And then you had it. They said we got problems at the which I just said, the 14, 15, 16 year old kids. Right. We got it now. With 14. Yeah, Yeah, no doubt. So so it's just really important that everyone gets educated. And by the way, when Christian was in high school, he was not drinking and he would have thought, what do I need this education for? But you know what? It was one of his friends from grade school, high school, and college who was doing life support on him when they found him blue and unresponsive. So this is what I'm talking about is it's what you had mentioned about, you know, forget mommy and daddy. No, nothing is worth not saving a life. And that's it. No one, no parent out there who says, oh yeah, it's just a rite of passage. You know what? Come and look at my life. No, you don't want this to happen. You want to educate your kids that this, let's stop normalizing the blacking out, the goofiness, the, oh, how hungover are you? No, we we have to like move on past that. Yeah, because that, that, that's become like, you use the word rite of passage for what the parents might say, but like, that's like a badge of card. Oh, dude, I was freaking hammered last night, man. Like, I, th- I used to say that. And th- that's, you know, and most, a lot of times people are going to be okay, but tragically, not everybody's going to be okay. And that's what we're talking about. It needs to be addressed. And, and look, I, I'm just going to, I'm very real on this show, Mary, and I'm fortunate to to be having this conversation with you today in my own life for some of the stupid things I did growing up, you know, and I know people who are not here because of the stupid things they did. And um, we need to, we need to have these conversations. We need to do this. I want to look, I'm not going to say how much I'm going to do and I'm going to get on this campaign and run around the state and the country and with you, but I want to be a part of this. I want to know how I can help and how the people in my world can help. And before you even answer that, I want to say this, my friend, uh, Tammy Ellen McLaughlin, just um, who actually you may have connected with yesterday at my nonprofit roundtable, just texted me and said, can I buy some of those? Can I buy some of Mary's don't stall just call magnets. Tammy is the executive director of Sober St. Patrick's Day, taking back the day, taking back slancha, which means health. It does not mean get drunk. Okay. Um, and they have a special program. So I'm assuming Tammy's watching because she's texting me and asking about the magnets. So we'll make, yes, Tammy, we'll get you the magnets. We'll work the whole thing out. What do we do as far as connections? Like where, how do we make this bigger? How do we take 40,000 to 140,000? And, and, and um, I mean, we, I, I saw that face, but that, but real, that's what we got to do. Okay. So this is, this is the thing, Tommy, and we haven't even talked about it, but um, our presentation is, you know, it's a PowerPoint presentation, part of it. And we have a video that's very powerful in it. 
and it takes people by surprise. I often don't like people to know. Um, they think they're going to an alcohol education mm -hmm. uh, seminar, okay. and then they learn um, really what's happening. And it's it's like a party when they first walk in and everything changes. Yeah. And so the video I have is um, on, it, it's of Christian growing up, but mm -hmm. then- yeah. It yeah. shows really uh, vulnerable pictures and it has pictures of my family in it and whatnot. So I really choose to be where that video is. And um, and that's why there's one of me, there's yeah. a couple of my people that I trust. So that's why it's a little bit hard, mm -hmm. but I'm willing to travel. Um, I will say that something did happen over um, this COVID period and we did have orientations and things online, but um, every summer we have a, we have a focus group meeting and it's high school and college kids come together on our property around Christian's fire pit. It's so awesome. And, and they have free reign to talk about whatever they want to talk about, basically what's happening in their school communities because they are all unique unto themselves. Mm. But what we were finding out about during the COVID time and the online stuff is that because people didn't have to have their screens on, students didn't have to have their screens on yeah. often. And what we found out in one high school is that there was, they were getting hammered during the day. Now, but I does, that shouldn't surprise you or me or most people listening because I found out that people were drinking out of their coffee cups while they were on Zoom meetings for work during the pandemic. Oh, I didn't know that. Either. <laughs> so, any, any, so that's a problem. And so I prefer because this, our program, I literally lay my heart out every time I go anywhere. And so people just need to contact and say they want a presentation and we can go from there. Um, but the other thing is we can schools, communities can get these things made up. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a possibility. We have the bumper magnets that just create layers of awareness. And by the way, these, um, the 911 um, magnet, I love giving these to kids as a graduation present from high school. Um, I put that in with their gift. I want every kid who graduates from high school to have this, to be able to put it on their refrigerator in college. And so they have this information there. And by osmosis, hopefully, yeah. you know, they will learn. Well, like anything else, I mean, our subconscious picks this stuff up even when we're not realizing it, right? And it's there. I mean, I'm... I'm sure downstairs, if I go and look at the fridge on the uh, on the side of my fridge, the poison control number is still there from when my kids were babies, right? Yes. So yes. that's that's normalized, and we know that. And I know if I need to go, you know, now you Google it, whatever. But the fact that it's there, peripherally you see it, is what I think you're saying with these. And, and you learn. And you learn. And I want to say something else. that, Like some of the work that we do, we, um, during the summers, we have a plane. We were so lucky to be um, funded by Allstate to um, create this wonderful banner. And so we fly our messaging um, from Cape May to Point Pleasant Beach on some weekends during the summer. We want to hit those college students. We want to be at a position where the families are on the beaches together, where they can ask the questions, where they can discuss it. We need to create more levels so we you know, take the fear out but we put the education in. So it, it's really just continuing to have the conversation, get the word out and, and keep educating. That's, that's what this is. And stop normalizing the blacking out. And it's, it's, it's scary. And as a parent, they should be scared. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, there's a lot to be scared for when you're raising children <laughs> in, in this time in this time in history, you know, um, I, I, I'm sure it's always been challenging to raise children, but you made a commitment. It's a lifelong commitment. You're in, you, you know, you have these children. I, I mean, I, I was joking with somebody last night that I have these four kids and I was like, and they go, wow, four is a lot. I go, yeah, but it's only for my whole life. <laughs> you know, it's like, by the right? grace of God, by the yeah. grace of God, right. But their whole life. Um, 
you know, uh, so, but that's our responsibility as parents, but that's also our responsibility as community people, you know, to do that. We're, we're going to just one last point. Cause we're going to get out of here soon. Cause we're running out of time, but tell me what you had on your mind. Um, I did want to say that when we created the CTC wellness foundation, it was created on three pillars. And one was the alcohol education piece that we felt everyone needs to be educated. The next is about sharing anxiety reduction strategies that we feel that is so important because that is often why um, people are drinking or over drinking. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Exactly. And, and then our third piece is wellness opportunities, just like our run that we just had this last weekend with over 345 participants and great volunteers and things like that. So we are doing great work, but we need you to be talking about it. So we're going to talk about it. We're yes. going to talk about this a lot more. You, I want to do, I have a whole idea for another show, which you and I will play around with and do some cool stuff with. Um, I do want to come out and meet some people in your community when I can to, to add some value. You know, I'll do, if there's a day of service, whatever, if you give me 1500 magnets and you want me to go hand out a bunch of magnets, I'm in, I'll do it. That's it. Day number 34, 60 days of service. Get me, get me some magnets. Let's work that out. Mary, I appreciate your friendship. Thank you for being here. Thanks for telling the story. Um, and, and thank you for being a change maker and, and literally know that you're changing the world in Christian's legacy and his memory. And I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we do have to go now. This show is called Philanthropy and Focus. I'm called Tommy D because that's what I call myself and other people do too. I also call the nonprofit sector connector. A couple thanks I want to make. Christine Johnson Hall. I won't call you Chrissy again. I just did. Christine Johnson, <laughs> thanks for making this introduction. Um, thank you, Dylan, for taking care of things. Thank you, Ceci, on my team for helping out. Uh, some stuff on the Facebook, putting the information out there. Next week on the show, my buddy, uh, my classmate from the Institute for Nonprofit Practice, who is an incredible visionary. Maybe he's taking the train here right now. Maybe is that Michael? Is that you on the train? That's that's the Long Island Railroad. Uh, Michael Partis, executive director of the Bronx Cooperative Development Initiative. The more I learn about this man, the more I find out what a leader he is and the impact he's making in, in this world. Um, I'm inspired to know you, Michael. I'm inspired that you're going to come on the show next week. So check in with Michael and I, Philanthropy and Focus, next Friday. Mary, have a great day. Have a great weekend. Thanks, everybody. Thank Bye. you. Thanks for having me. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. On edge. Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? 
Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 